Welcome to Season 5 of Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, back for another season, as is our rock expert, Frank Ost. Frank, welcome to Season 5. Ah, it's great to be here again. Today, John Mellencamp, John Cougar, Johnny Cougar. Little Johnny Cougar. (laughs) (laughs) All those names we'll be discussing in in just a uh, little while. He's our featured artist today. We're looking forward to a brand new season, aren't we? That's great. Want to get started? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, Frankie, concert calendar, good stuff coming up in 22. Kansas, that's less than a month from now at the Connor Palace, Playhouse Square, downtown Cleveland, Thursday, March the 3rd. Marshall Tucker Band, always a good show. MGM Center Stage, boy, they have some good shows there. Of course. And the Kent Stage as well. Friday, March the 4th. Eagles Hotel California Tour, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, St. Patty's Day, March the 17th. Tower of Power the same night at the MGM Center Stage. Now, tickets are available on a limited basis for the Graham Nash Show Sunday, April 3rd at the Kent Stage. Daryl Hall and Todd Rundgren, MGM Center Stage, Thursday, April 7th. Ambrosia John Ford Coley, Akron Civic Theater on Thursday the 21st. Lindsay Buckingham, that show was just announced not too long ago. I'd love to see that one. Kent Stage, Friday uh, the 22nd of April. Amy Mann, you know, from Till Tuesday. Of course. Uh, Kent Stage, Wednesday the 27th. Uh, Journey in Toto at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, Saturday, May the 7th. Al Stewart's Greatest Hits Tour, Wednesday, May 18th. Kent Stage, tickets available for that one. In June, Blossom, things start opening up there at the wonderful outside venue. Sticks, Ario Speedwagon, Loverboy, Wednesday, June 1st. And the Doobies 50th Anniversary Tour put on hold for last year because of COVID, uh, like halfway through. That rescheduled date here at Blossom, July the 12th. All right, so Frankie, the Rock Hall nominees have been announced. Not a lot of rockers. We made a case for a couple of them, Pat Benatar and Dionne Warwick. But uh, besides that, the New York Dolls make a return. Carly Simon, a first-time appearance. Dionne Warwick is on the list. Uh, Eminem, Eurythmics, Judas Priest, Duran Duran, Devo, Kate Bush, Pat Benatar, and Beck. Beck is a first-time nominee. So I would think that Pat Benatar... And maybe Duran Duran, Eminem, I guess. He's like last year's Go-Go's, you know, the popular choice. Maybe the Eurythmics, they're making a appearance for the first time. <laughs> I don't know. The Rock Hall new class will be announced in May, and the induction ceremonies at the end of November. Today in rock history, it's February 14th, Frankie, and on this date in 1964, Chad and Jeremy were guests on the Patty Duke Show. Wow, the th- Patty Duke the Show. Patty Duke Show. Wow. I used to watch that. I think they're the also guests on Batman. I remember seeing an episode, or was it Jan and Dean? I can't remember. <laughs> it wasn't Simon and Garfunkel. Exactly. Remember the song Respect, R E S P E C T, by Aretha? Of course, yes. She recorded her hit on this date in 1967. Don't know if it was all done in one day, but most likely with her it was. Yeah. The Who taped a concert in 1970 at Leeds University in Leeds, England, for their forthcoming album called. Live at Leeds. Live at Leeds, That's a lot yeah. of Leeds. Uh, great live album, that is. John and Yoko began a week-long stay as co-hosts of the Mike Douglas Show in <laughs> 1972. I don't know if you've ever pulled that one up on YouTube, but that is one of the weirdest things. Maybe that that's right up there with Bing Crosby and uh, David Bowie singing, you know. Yep. And together. Tiny Tim it's, on Johnny Carson. It's, yes, it's one of the weirdest things. Why? For one week. You can see him being a guest. A guest. But for a week. A week. 
John and Yoko for a week. <laughs> you ever see the musical Grease? I know you're not really into musicals, but have you ever see that or the movie? Of course I have. I could, you could. Well, I've seen the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it opened its off-Broadway show in 1972. It would run for 3,388 dates. Its first stars were Adrian Barbeau and oh, Barry Bostwick. David Bowie collapsed at the end of his Valentine's Day show in 1973 at Radio City Music Hall due to exhaustion. Okay. That might have been the fall of Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> the captain, Daryl Dragon, and Tony Tennille were married on this date in 1974. They would bust out the next year with Level Keep Us Together. You know, they divorced in 2014, uh, but they remained close. In fact, Tony was at Daryl's bedside when he passed away from kidney failure in 2019. Frank Zappa appeared on Miami Vice. He played a crime boss named Mr. Frankie. There you go. So if you ever were on that show, you couldn't use your own name. I could not. Now, Phil Collins, as you know, also guest starred once, and Glenn Fry also. So. Absolutely, yeah. That was a that was a huge thing back in you know back in the day. Yeah, Harry Nielsen, 1993, suffered a heart attack. He would die uh, from another one just a year later. Yeah, he nev- never had good health. I'm no, sure. he lived a, a long life, didn't he? he? Not he long, did. rugged life. Mm-hmm. Mick Tucker, the drummer for Sweet, died of leukemia at only 53 oh, in the boy. state in 2002. And this is a, it's kind of a sad ending to this, but Doug Feger, the lead singer of the band The Knack, yeah. died after a six-year battle with cancer in this state 12 years ago, just 57 years old. Good grief. Yeah, Goodness. I can remember, I can actually went to uh, uh, one of the first concerts they did here in Cleveland as the, uh, that song broke, My Sharona. So yeah. So it was kind of neat. And that was about it, Good Girls Don't, and mm-hmm. they had a, that was off the second album, and that's about it for them. That was it. But at least they kind of helped us get over disco, didn't exactly. they? Exactly. six-week run at the top of the charts for my Sharon in 79. Birthday is Jack Benny, born in 1894. Remember what his original birth name was? Benjamin no. Kubelski. <laughs> I can see why he changed I it. I don't think that would, that would work. <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa was born in this date in 1913. Woody Hayes, also, same date, 1913. Really? Mel Allen, the longtime voice of the Yankees, also in 1913. Hugh Downs, 1921. Remember when he used to host Concentration? Yes, he used to host everything. Yeah. He was on the Today, he was on 2020. 2020. Yeah, he was everywhere. Florence Henderson, 1934. Uh, the Mom oh, on the Brady Bunch. The Mom, yeah. Journalist Carl Bernstein turns 78 today, and Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20 is 50. 50? He was born in 1972. Wow, yeah. Well, 72, he'd definitely be 50. Frankie, download Discovery Time. You've got a good one today, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, song called White Bird by the group It's a Beautiful Day. This gorgeous 1969 song by San Francisco rock group It's a Beautiful Day was written by members David LaFlame and his wife Linda LaFlame. The wow. white bird thing came from spending a winter in uh, Seattle, Washington. Ooh. Uh, as he said, we were caged like birds in that attic. We had no money, no transportation, and the weather was miserable. It was quite an experience, but it became very creative uh, in its own way. Uh, the song quickly became the uh, band's signature tune and a staple of FM uh, album-oriented rock radio. The single version was edited and remixed for radio play with a running time of about three minutes and two seconds. It was released and rose to as high as number three in San Francisco, <laughs> uh, but sadly, the single never reached a wide national audience and failed to chart. Yeah, but you the, can the, download the yeah. six-minute version 
and make it a beautiful day. Well, absolutely. <laughs> it uh, did uh, hit that bubbling under portion of Billboard's chart. It reached 118. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. You know that was featured in the first season of NBC's TV show Night Rider? I didn't know that song, was, uh, that uh, show was that cool to have a song like that. Yeah. <laughs> Mine also comes from the famous bubbling under portion of the Hot 100. This one peaked at 103. Oh, my goodness. Called Whenever You're On My Mind, that's Marshall Crenshaw. You know, power pop, straight out of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It could have worked in any, right now, too. It could have worked in any generation. He sounds a lot like Buddy Holly. Uh, Marshall Crenshaw is featured on the La Bamba soundtrack. That's right. The Richie Valens story back in, in 87 or 88. It's from the 1983 album called Field Day. Now, Marshall had a lot of pressure put on him by his record company. Warner Brothers said, okay, the first album, which featured Someday, Someway, you probably know that one from Summer of 82. Mm -hmm. They wanted another follow-up right away. He didn't have a lot of stuff, but he did have this song, Whenever You're On My Mind, in the bank, because he had written it ahead of time and wanted to include it originally on his debut album, but held it back. And it's a good thing he did. This little nugget, little bouncy power pop thing, he said is his favorite song that he wrote to date. Nice. It's only three minutes and 18 seconds long. I think you're really going to like it. It was released in April of that year. And then, you know, things kind of went the wrong way with him and Warner Brothers. The album didn't perform very well, Field Day. The song, 103, I still don't understand how a song that cool cannot even make it to the top 100. Exactly. It, it shocks me. It blows <laughs> the mind. It continues to shock me. All right, Frankie, one hit wonder time, T-Rex, and get it on, bang a gong. Yeah, this is one This is one for the ages, actually, because they were a one hit wonder here. However, in the UK, they literally outcharted Elton John. Yes, that's Elton wow. John. They had four number one hits, bang a gong, hot love, telegram Sam, and metal guru. 11 top 10 singles, and 19 top 40 hits. Hmm. This is all between 1970 and 1978. Jeez. And I specifically remember buying Hot Love, uh, the single, when it was released. It's a great song, but it peaked at only 72 here in the States. Yeah, and and Telegraph Sam only hit number 67. Exactly. follow-up to Bang a Gong. Elton, Bono, and even Prince were all huge fans and have all wondered if Mark Bolan at that time was perhaps too androgynous and maybe a bit too dangerous for the U.S. Top 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps we, weren't just, we just weren't ready for his music. But the truth is, we'll never know. We'll never know. He exactly. was killed in 1977 when his girlfriend drove his mini GT into a tree. Apparently, he was deathly afraid of driving because he didn't want to get in an accident while driving. The irony of it all. It is. Really good tune. Number 10 for a couple weeks in March of 72. That's T-Rex and Bang a Gong. Get it on. Yeah. And if you want to ever go down the rabbit hole, uh, Mm -hmm. just go on YouTube and bring up some of those uh, uh, other hits from the UK. And I think you'll enjoy it. I think you will. Two Hit Wonder Time, Climax Blues Band. Remember them? I love Climax. The British blues, blues, band. blues yeah. rock band, originally known as the Climax Chicago Blues Band, still mm-hmm. performing today, Frankie. Uh, the original lineup has changed over the years. They started putting out albums way back in 1969. Wow. It didn't hit it big here until the album Gold Plated came out in late 76. You know, couldn't get it right. Top five hit, 77. Great tune. It would peak at number three in the spring of that year, but they didn't get a follow-up song until 1981 that would top the charts, or at least hit the charts. It was called I Love You. That's right. It's a nice little song. Yeah, it was. A little ballad. 
Uh, it doesn't make you cry or anything, but uh, it's nice. It's very poignant. Very. At number 12 in the spring of 81. They had a hard time finding any traction with their singles before or after these two hits, but I do like the Climax Blues Band. <laughs> Rock releases, week of February 14th. Frankie, happy Valentine's Day, by the way, to you. It's great to have Valentine's Day come again. Yeah. Did you get my chocolates? I didn't think so. <laughs> Rick Springfield, remember him? Working Class Dog, he came out in 1981 that featured Jesse's Girl. Yep. Not yeah. Don't Talk to Strangers. That was the success hasn't spoiled me yet. You know, he had the dog on the... Yeah, he actually had a fairly decent career. He I did. Mean, Before Noah Drake, the doctor on General Hospital. Surprisingly enough, yeah. Still touring these days. Eric Clapton came out with another ticket in 1981. I don't remember what was on that, but I do remember the name of that album. Yeah, I do too. Van Halen and their debut, Van Halen, 1978. Eat a Peach, Allman Brothers, 1972, the week of February 14th. Moving Pictures by Rush in 81. Uh, a New Life by Marshall Tucker. We're going to be featuring Marshall Tucker Band very soon as part of our Southern Rock, Southern Folk. Yep. And they're going to be one of our, our featured artists coming up. Good band. Ambrosia, we talked about their uh, their, gourd, their wonderful debut album in 1975 mm-hmm. that came out uh, this week. Linda Ronstadt's Mad Love, that was where she started turning a little punk, you know, a little new wave. How do I make you? Something and, a little different, yeah. yeah it was good. I remember that one. And the concert in Central Park, the uh, double-sided album. Or was it Four Sides, the album? I think it was Double Side in 1982. Yeah, that was uh, one of those things that'll go in the time capsule forever. Yeah. You know, what a concert it that was. was. Eagles, Greatest Hits, still one of the, if not the best-selling albums of all time. Exactly. 1976. Boz Skaggs, uh, on the same day, 1976, Silk Degrees came out. Wow. Can you imagine those those two on the same day? Yeah. Boy, the record, uh, the record stores must have been having a great old time. Five years earlier, the <laughs> Yes the yes album by Yes came out. Mm. Steely Dan's Pretzel, Pretzel Logic, which featured uh, Ricky. 1974. Yep. And George Harrison's uh, self-titled George Harrison album with Blow Away and Love Comes to Everyone that was released in uh, February of 1979. There's a right. couple of good hits on that album. Mm-hmm. It's good to see George back in the in the swing of things then. He had been done with his uh, legal troubles and, and then right. moving on yeah. into the 80s. Top five singles for the week of uh, February 14th of 1968, Chain of Fools, Aretha Franklin, Chain, Chain, Chain. Yeah, she was kind of just hitting her stride then. Remember John Fred and the Playboy band, Judy in Disguise, with a, glasses. A little takeoff on uh, Lucy in the Sky, of course. Yeah. Yes. Maybe better suited for Halloween than Valentine's Day, the Classics 4, and Spooky. Yeah, I remember that one. Lemon Pipers. And Green Tambourine. Green Tambourine. As you know, that was recorded in Cleveland at the Cleveland Recording Studio. That's right. Another kind of psychedelic little song. Yep. It was number one the week before. The one that replaced it, starting a long stretch, six, seven, eight weeks, and number one would be Paul Moriart, or as they call him in France, Paul Moriart. And Love is Blue. That's right. Love is Blue. song came out of of nowhere. Great instrumentals, yes. Number one album, Magical Mystery Tour. You talked about that before. Yes, I have. And The Beatles, toward the end of its eight-week run at the top of the Billboard album chart. That's February 14th, 1968. We'll conclude our top five singles and our number one album next week when we do 1967. Nice. Then we'll start a brand new feature. From the week of August 3rd, 1968, our continuing series, Psychedelic vs. Pop. 
Yours is Vanilla Fudge. You keep me hanging on at number 16 that week. They took the original upbeat tempo of the song and slowed it way down to kind of match the unhappy lyrics of the song. And amazingly enough, the whole thing was recorded in one take. Whoa, one take? One take. No way. (laughs) And you can probably find it if you're a madman fan like I am. It's on one of the episodes and whenever they go through 1967. I love that song. Either one, but this in this case, I like this one just a little better than the Supremes version. It's it's such a, a reworking that you almost don't even realize it's the same song. Exactly, and that's kind of it's kind of neat when they do that. So on August third, nineteen sixty eight, you know we were going through in the summer of sixty eight. Oh my God! The end of that hot the, summer, the Democratic convention was just about ready to begin. I believe. And all the tragedies that happened that year, just yes. months earlier. Mm-hmm. So that week. You Keep Me Hanging On was number 16, up from number 47 the week before. It climbed 31 notches, which was not unusual for songs to make a big leap on or off the charts back then. Mine would be number 15 right after that, a future number one, This Guy's In Love With You by Herb Alpert. Wow, what a great song. And the funny thing, of course, about this is that it's not an instrumental. (laughs) It's the only one he sang. Number one's from 68, Honey, Love is Blue. Wow. This Guy's In Love With You. That accounts for almost a half a year. And in that summer of 68, those were the songs that were during the year that were popular enough to be number one. I think Amazing. I think it sounds like we were trying to escape, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the Vietnam War was front and center, and of course, uh, we lost. Martin Luther King and we lost Bobby Kennedy that yeah. year. I mean, I, I think there was a lot of escapism in some of these songs. This song and You Keep Me Hanging On would also be back to back again the following week. Time for our featured artist. It's Johnny Cougar, Little Johnny Cougar, John Cougar Mellencamp, John Mellencamp, maybe even Little Johnny Mellencamp, who knows? He's had, what, five different names? I think he's hit the charts with five different names, <laughs> if, uh, if uh, I get it correctly. And I think the only one that could come close to that is, uh, of course, John Lennon, because John. half the time he was under assumed names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the Plastic Ono Band yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what, no matter how you say his name, it spells rock and roll, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Rock and Roll Hall absolutely. of Famer 2008, inducted by Billy Joel. Songwriters Hall of Fame, we've talked how important that is, 2018. The native of Seymour, Indiana, born October 1951. Cites his influences, James Brown, Woody Guthrie, Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan. John Fogarty said of John Mellencamp, a great American songwriter, rock and roll to its core. Could not agree more. Absolutely. Did you ever see him in concert? I have not. Uh, and I wish I had along the way, and who knows? He's not one of the older, right. elder statesmen, so there's still a chance that I could. Now in his early him. 70s, exactly. he's not done yet. He's had a heart attack over the years. That's true, he has. He said, you know, I, I remembered coming home and having a steak and french fries, and I, I thought that was good for me. Sure, absolutely. And the cigarette smoking didn't do him any good either. You mean that's not good for you? I know. (laughs) You imagine. I saw him a couple times. I saw him open for Michael Stanley at one of those New Year's Eve concerts at uh, Coliseum. almost said Blossom. (laughs) Can you imagine a New Year's Eve at Blossom? I'm not even sure if Nothing Matters and What If It Did had come out yet. Uh, He probably still had I Need a Lover from the John Cougar album and, you know, in Small Paradise. Sure. And I also saw him 
at uh, OU, I think, Ohio U. I think he came there and saw him. Maybe I'm getting that mixed up with Billy Joel because to me they're they're a little bit alike, you know. And I'm not surprised that Billy Joel inducted him. As far as their energy on stage, and well, a solo artist, <laughs> absolutely, and some yeah. good rock and roll tunes from the '80s, and maybe that's mm-hmm. as much a comparison I I can make. But I really like John uh, Mellencamp, John Cougar, whatever he wants. You know, country star Keith Urban credits, uh, credits John as his musical influence. Okay, interesting that it wouldn't be, well, you know, Woody Guthrie or uh, Johnny Cash, or Johnny Cash, somebody yeah, like that, somebody like that. Yeah. Twenty-two top forty hits. But wow. just one, number That's one. Impressive. Yeah. Can you name it? His number one uh, was a Jack and Diane. It was. Okay. 1982. <laughs> 13 Grammy nominations. He won one. And that was for what? I don't know. Hurt so good. Oh. It won for go. Best Rock Vocal Performance at the 25th. Grammy Awards. Okay. Yeah, that's a very good song. That was from American Fool. Mm-hmm. 1982. That's really that's what really busted him out. Johnny Cougar and all the... <laughs> you know, he was critical 80s politics. Really? Yeah. Hard to believe. Especially Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Became an early entertainer to speak out against the Iraqi war in 2003. Okay. And not many people were doing that back then. Absolutely but not. He did. That was very actually that was a very popular war if there is yeah. such a thing, yes. Here's his discography. It started in nineteen seventy six with Chestnut Street Incident, then a biography, not released in the US due to chestnut sales being so poor, so they put it on the shelf for a while. John Cougar, you know, with I Need a Lover and uh that was also on the biography album, by the way, and Small Paradise. Did you know I Need a Lover was covered by Pat Benatar on her debut album in nineteen eighty? I remember that. I remember yeah. playing both of them exactly uh, at different times at the radio station ACRN in Athens. Nothing matters. What if it did? That was a really good album. Hot night in a cold town. Ain't even done with the night. One of my favorites was Make Me Feel. That was a little slow number. It hit number thirty-seven in the U.S., so he was starting to pick up some steam. And then I guess they wanted him to be like a Neil Diamond type of songwriter, and he said, "No, nah, I don't want to do that." So the of course not. You know, Reva Records wanted a Neil Diamond sound. Okay. Neil was still popular back in the early 80s. That's true. But John went to his own thing, came out with American Fool, and they said, okay, still needs a hit, though. We need a hit. <laughs> and kind of like Bruce Springsteen with Born to Run, he came up with a song called Hurt So Good. Then Jack and Diane had to hold on to, and he was on his way, wasn't he? He sure was. It seemed uh, back in the 80s he could do no wrong. He could do no wrong, and everything he put out sold. And then just a mm-hmm. year later, American Fool was followed up by Uh-huh. That was number nine in the U.S., Pink Houses Crumbling Down, backing vocals by Jay Ferguson on Authority Song. There you go. Then in a year later, came out uh, two years later, excuse me, with Scarecrow, number two in the States, Small Town, Lonely Old Night. All these songs are staples of rock stations and classic hit stations throughout Absolutely, the country. Yeah. Lonesome Jubilee, Paper and Fire, Cherry Bomb. He added more country and folk flavor to his uh, repertoire. Mm-hmm. 1987. Big Daddy, pop singer, was the number 15 hit for him, the Hot 100. 1991, Whenever We Wanted, featuring the song Again Tonight. Remember that song, if you went to an Indians game, whenever the Indians won, they would play that game. I absolutely that song. remember that song, yeah. Again Tonight. Why didn't they play Cleveland Rocks? I don't know. But I didn't see a lot of losses back in 1994 when the Jake first opened. Not, not when it first opened. Certainly not. So that's a song that, uh, in a nice little up-tempo thing, you know, can click your hand or your fingers to it. Human Wheels, the title cut, was number seven in the U.S., the album, 1993. Remember the song Wild Night, the uh, Van Morrison uh, updated version? Absolutely. Featuring, um, I, I can't remember, Michelle, I can't remember, I can't pronounce her last name. 
Then uh, he had some more radio hit-friendly tunes. Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky. All these albums did really well. This one from 1996, Happy-Go-Lucky, was number nine in the U.S. It was his 14th studio album. And then the first one released since his heart attack in 1994. He was up to 80 cigarettes a day prior to that, he said. The best that I could do was a terrific compilation. It came out in November of 1977. Funny how greatest hits and... Box sets and compilations all come out just in time for the Christmas shopping season. Absolutely. Three-time platinum. And then John Mellencamp, his self-titled album to reflect a rebirth of sorts and a new start on his musical journey came out a year later. So still putting out stuff into the 90s, through the 90s, into the 2000s. Really good in concert. And he's been um, a founding member of Farm Aid. In fact, Farm Aid's still going on. They, you know, he helped found it with Willie Nelson and Neil Young. That's right. Now uh, Dave Matthews has joined the board. Okay. Uh, originally to raise money for fr- family farmers in the United States, the first farm aid raised over $9 million for family farmers, and the first concert was held at the University of Illinois and featured dozens and dozens of the biggest names in pop and country including the first ever appearance of Sammy Hagar and Eddie Van Halen shortly after oh, Sammy joined Van Hagar. I gotcha. yeah. They've had one uh, Farm Aid ever since. I didn't know this, but every year they've had a Farm Aid one way or another, I didn't including they had a that. virtual one because of COVID in I, April 2020. Yeah, I did not realize that. Willie Nelson still... took Farm Aid on the road for 16 dates across the country in 1989. Wow. And they're yeah. doing one this year, or they did one last year as well in 2021. So the one in April of, uh, I'm sorry, the one in 2021 was in September, and it was sold out as usual at Hartford in uh, Connecticut in-person festival, featuring Willa Nelson and family, Dave Matthews, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, and it featured for the first time homegrown concessions, a first-of-its-kind model with family farm-identified local and organic foods. Oh, okay. So they're into That's that, too. Idea. And it's good that Neil and, and Willie and... Uh, John and now Dave Matthews are still fighting the cause of Farm Aid. Well, that's that's amazing that they've stayed with it that long. And, yeah. you know, especially the way things uh, are today when people kind of forget after, you know, a time. Yeah, the bloom is off the rose, exactly. so to speak. $9 million was what the first Farm Aid raised. It's raised over $60 million to assist family farmers in the United States uh, since its inception way back in 1985. Some that's good great. work for John Mellencamp, one of my... Favorite performers from the 80s and into the 90s. How about you? Yeah, me too. Love them. A lot of great rock and roll. What can you say? Um, uh, There's been a lot of people that uh, you could uh, say he sounds a little bit like Tom Petty and maybe a little bit like Billy Joel at times, but he's really got his own thing and he's had some of the Really, it's some of the best rock songs of the 80s. Very distinctive voice, Pink Houses mm-hmm. and, and such cool tunes. And like In Excess, you know, the Australian group we made sure. a, a case for for being in the Rock Hall. Oh, absolutely. You were still buying new CDs of theirs into the 90s. Mm-hmm. Just like that, I was with um, with Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel when he was he stopped putting out CDs in 1993 with River of Dreams. Right. But Tom Petty, I was buying new CDs, and John Mellencamp. All throughout the 90s, I have Human Wheels and a bunch of other stuff from the 90s, too. So one of the few artists that I was buying fresh CDs when they came exactly. out. Exactly. He lasted well into the 90s, and that's just, you know, it's amazing uh, with what was going on in music at the time that he was still uh, thought to be one of the stars. 
yeah, he is. He was good and still is today. Maybe he'll come around again in concert before too long as I we hope so, yeah. head towards spring of 2022. Frankie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Next week, we'll have Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham, not in the studio. It'd be nice if we did, but <laughs> we'll talk about them together as uh, the Buckingham Nicks duo of the early 70s, then some time with Fleetwood Mac, but mostly we'll kind of focus in on their particular solo career, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. They've both, both had success in their own way, Stevie much more successful commercially. Absolutely. Lindsey Buckingham still great in concert, and we'll talk about them next week on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. For Frank Ost, I'm Tim Friedman. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.